Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, good morning everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30 and of course you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up we have to say a very good morning to Loretta Childs. Good morning, Loretta. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, listeners. We haven't seen you for ages. It's no. great to have you back on. Thank you. I've been away. I've been all over the place and doing lots of work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit later. Yep. Yep. Excellent. And good morning, Virginia Haywood. Good morning. And lovely day yesterday, lovely day today. I'm getting to the stage hoping it's going to rain, though. Yes, it's dry again. Mm. It's very dry. Mm. The irony was I've been down at Lawn for the last few days and we've had lots of rain. Well, we lots had quite a lot of rain yesterday, um, on, yes, on Friday. And then I got out in the garden yesterday and was digging, and it, I was getting out the pickaxe. It was even though it had rained for several hours, it was still mm. really surprisingly dry. Yep, really dry, really really dry. We got drenched on Friday. Okay. And then we were in such humidity you couldn't believe it. Yeah, shocking. Crazy, mm. isn't it? Mm. Mm. Humidity. Oh, the humidity after the rain was absolutely yeah. exasperating. We were sort of digging away and after getting a bit saturated and then it was, uh, yeah, sweating. So where were you, Loretta? Uh, it was in Kangaroo Ground and in right. Eltham. Yeah. So it, sh- it shouldn't be humid. So humid, No, yeah. but this is what they say, isn't it, that we're going to get Sydney, Sydney's going to get Brisbane. Yep. That's right, yeah. Mm. And last year it did rain right up till January. And then we had the driest autumn. And in autumn, I thought I was going to run out of water, you know, because mm. I'm only on tank water. That's right, that's mm. right. Yeah. So I'm hoping it'll rain up to... Because I'm going to New Zealand for oh, 15 days or something like that, and I always feel wrenched when I go away at this time of year because I, there's no one to water all those things I've just put in, you mm. know. Yeah. It makes yep. me anxious. Ah, <laughs> uh, you shouldn't plan, plant just before you go away. I know. <laughs> but you know, I've got death row. It has to be planted. It's got more hope out of the pots than in. Yeah. <laughs> and, if True. It, and I just prop. I keep propagating. Yeah. And then, and Sue props for me. And then suddenly I've got all, I've got a huge death row and it's got to go in the ground. Oh dear. Oh well. That'll keep you busy. Yes. Now, Virginia, you've been heavily involved with the Secret Gardens up at the Dandenong Ranges. Yeah, it was fun. Tell us a bit about it. Well, it was great, you know, and I think I saw something like 16 gardens. I was operating the first week I was a guide on the bus. And so there was two guides, Eddie and I, and some days there were two buses and sometimes there was only one bus and I would tend to go the second time, although I wasn't needed. Yep. So I didn't get paid. Yep. But um, we saw about 16 gardens in three days, mm-hmm. which was just fantastic. And they were so varied. There was one owned by, was it the Whitlams? No, it wasn't the Whitlams. It was a, some standard, wonderful labour um, name. And it was, it just had this absolutely stupendous view. I mean, you know how good the view from my place oh, is. Oh, yes. I sent a text to Eddie that night saying, Eddie, I'm going to sell. My view's too small. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was straight over, um, straight over the patch. 
So you've got all these, you know, the patch has got so many beautiful European trees and although it was quite high above it, you could see all these trees and then straight through to Gippsland. It was just this stupendous view. Mm. It was Mm. just fantastic. Wow. And the garden was, (coughs) the front garden was fabulous because it was the dandenongs that had lots and lots of really old um, rhododendrons and things like that. Oh, yeah. So the back garden was interesting but wasn't, but... Who looked at anything? And I always think when I have my garden open, oh, well, if people don't like it, they just have to look at the view because the view makes you feel fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and you too, Lou. Yeah, Your yeah. view is extraordinary. Yeah, yes. Terrific views across the yeah. Yarra Valley there. Yeah. 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 And I just, this year, the Yarra Valley has had rain. And unlike most of Australia, it's green. Mm, it is. You know, and we, we're going to be able to take hay, and there's no hay anywhere in Australia, and we're going to be able to harvest hay. You mm. know. It's incredible, isn't it? Yes, we have had rain, although, I mean, it's doing the usual thing. The soil's beginning to go hard. My, mine is clay, so it goes rock hard. But mm. um, So we did all these different gardens, and then the second week I had my garden open, and a bus arrived with about... 28 people right and it was just it was such a lovely afternoon it's so nice not i mean when you do the open garden scheme you know it's really hard work two full days yes that's just right. to have an afternoon yep so that you're not you i mean you just don't get as exhausted so i had a lovely time walking around with my garden with people asking me what's this what's that i've got one rose which is really stunning it's the most beautiful um deep purpley blue color and um, I'll send it to Lizzie so she can put it on Facebook. It's, I've no idea what it is, and millions of people ask me all the time what it, what it is. I have got next week, I'm going to, You're going to, next have to get week, it identified. <laughs> next week I'll bring in a photo and get Graham to identify it yep. for me. Because it's just, just so, so beautiful. And so all my roses are out. Mm-hmm. My ixias have been, the first lot of ixias came out maybe a month ago and they just, uh, the pink ones aren't out yet so the, all my South African bulbs are just looking magnificent and it's just fun, you know. Mm. I love it when my garden's looking beautiful. Mm. It makes me happy. Yeah, fair enough. I met this really nice man called Robert on Facebook through plants and he came up, this is oh, a couple of years ago, and he brought me a rose and he said, oh, it's, it's very vigorous. So I planted it next to one of my really old camellias, which is at, it's as high as the house. Mm. I do have a single-storied house, not a double-storied <laughs> Thank house. Thank goodness. <laughs> and it has just covered, covered the camellias. So I've got masses and masses of pale pink flowers. Is it like a rambler? Or yes, yes, it's, it's a, a rambler. rambler. Yeah. And it's just magnificent, except... It's next to the orange garden. I didn't want any pink in there, but it's yeah. too beautiful. It'll have to stay. It's one of the problems with my garden. I'm, I have absolute rules about colours. I'm going to have orange and purple and a bit of white in there. Put in some ixias. They're pink. Yep. Found a pink tulip in mm. there. I mean, you know. And I've got this yellow rose in my pink and white garden, and it's so yellow. This year I'm going to put something on it, tie something on it, and I'm going to move it in autumn or winter because it is just no good you know? <laughs> mm. but that's the thing i mean once it dies down yep it, you know so you well, do I've, need to I, I, we're having market the, in some way we're having the plant trust christmas party at my place oh okay this year right and i'm just been going through pruning all my roses because i want them to come out again yep you yep. know so i've been going through prune 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 
and I've been pruning my salvias. Um, and I've, I've, with most of them, I waited till after the open garden because I figure even with dead mm. flowers to keep the height yes. is a better idea. Yep. But it's I've interesting been... how late some things are too this year. I've found in my garden the wisteria is very late. Um, even the Banksia rose is really late. And mm. you know, just wondering about that dry autumn Yes. and things just sort of, yeah, not progressing in the same manner because mine are, are up to a month in difference. But I found this was the coldest winter I've had. Mm. I had. A, I, I lost things in We've frost. We've certainly had severe frosts. Mm. I've, I've never been frosted before. Yep. I've had one or two things, but this year all all my plectranthus have been knocked back. Oh, have they? Every yep. one of them. They've never been hit before. Mm. I always find some of the heliotrope get hit. Mm. But, I mean, I think I'm growing heliotrope at the edge of its range. But my plectranthus have never been hit. My yeah. zuluensis, it just went from waist high to toe high. Yep. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been not really bad. I mean, I've cut it all back. It's coming back, but the heli- some of the heliotrope, I don't mm. think I'm going to. I'm not going to plant any more heliotrope. Yep. If you're on the edge anyway, then why struggle? Because it's fun. Across. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no, you're right. Well, it's interesting <clears throat> you don't get frost as far. We're on the top of the hill there, and we don't. I've not ever had a frost. Well, that's because why of that I little bit of it. movement. It's that you know it doesn't settle. Yes, the frost. it rolls, it rolls down, down the hill. Yeah. I remember. So I remember lucky. being taught that when I lived mm. in London mm. that you could plant if you planted a hedge <coughs> with a hop going down a hill and left a gap, the frost would roll down next to the hedge and go through the gap. Mm. It it behaves the same as water. And so, I remember one year, my I've got two and a half acres or so of grapes. And one year there was a frost in November. Everyone lost their grapes. I didn't. Yeah. The frost, this is the first year in 15 years that the frost has actually hit me because usually it just very nicely rolls down the hill. And I had a beauty this year. I drove out. I don't know. Maybe I was coming here. I was doing something. Or maybe I was going to the Botanic Gardens. But anyway, I was driving out much too early. It must have been quarter to seven. And I drove out. Went, hop in the car, drive down, down, go down my road towards the main road, and just before I met, hit the main road, my windscreen just completely frosted over, and I couldn't see a thing. Oh, it's never happened to yeah. even in London. That's never happened to me. Yeah. I suppose in London always, the frost was there. I had to pull over because I couldn't see. Goodness. Yeah. And I thought this is an ex- exact example of what happens with my house. Yes. The frost rolls away. Yeah. yeah. But this year it didn't, <coughs> which was you know, a bit sad. Oh, well. Mm. But, you know, the other side of it is if you get frost, you can grow some things better. Yeah. Well, some things need a, mm. a, a winter chill. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Mm. So it's the joys of gardening, I know, Virginia. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to get on to some community announcements. Um, first up, the, uh, there's a Pelagonium and Geranium Society show on today. Um, it's on from 12 uh, noon through, running through until 4 o'clock, so it's, um, it's uh, just running for the afternoon. Uh, $5 entry, which includes afternoon tea. It's at the Belfield Community Centre, which is at the corner of Ariel Road and Banksia Street there in Ivanhoe. So that's uh, on today, um, 12 o'clock through till 4 at the Belfield Community Centre. Now, also on uh, today... Uh, and running through until next Wednesday, Country Farm Perennials are still uh, 
have their open garden and nursery um, open. Now, this is free entry, 10 through till 4. It's available. Um, there's 2.5 acres of manicured cottage gardens there to have a look at. Uh, there'll be refreshments available on the weekends. You can bring your own picnic to enjoy the day as well. And, uh, and uh, Country Farm Perennials are at Nayuk. So uh, it's, it's 96 Langs Road, L-A-I-N-G-S, Langs Road in Nayuk. Um, it's, it's well signposted. Uh, or you could go onto their website, and I think that gives you um, <laughs> full directions. Website is countryfarmperennials, all one word, dot com dot au. <coughs> now, uh, also coming up um, tomorrow on Monday, uh, the, uh, there's a, a self-drive garden tour entitled Through the Garden Gates. Uh, now, this is uh, being run by um, Geelong Botanic Gardens. Uh, now, they're offering a self-drive tour of five garden locations. They're in the Drysdale, Port Arlington areas and East Geelong. Uh, there'll be BYO picnic lunch, or you can choose from a variety of cafes in Drysdale or Port Arlington. Now, garden entry and tour details are by pre purchase ticket only so presumably if you jump on uh, online you uh, might be able to uh, still uh, go to that one there'll be no tickets available tomorrow at the gardens it'll be finishing with a delicious afternoon tea at Arundel which is in East Geelong and there'll be a plant stall and lucky ticket prizes there as well now the cost is $30 if you're a member of Geelong Botanic Gardens $40 for non-members. Afternoon tea is included. Now, to, uh, to book your um, tickets, you can uh, go to their website, which is friendsgbg, uh, so that's friendsgbg.org.au, or if you'd like more information, you can try phoning the Friends Office, which is 5222 now, just a reminder, too, that uh, if you happen to be up in the Mita uh, Mita area, and I know there were a couple of our listeners were going to be up in that area this weekend, um, there is a garden opening for Open Gardens Victoria. It's the Witch's Garden. It's at 608 Dartmouth Road in Mita Mita. Uh, and it's also got a Monday opening as well because of the long well, sort of long weekend. A lot of people, tomorrow isn't officially a, a, a holiday, but um, because it combines then with the Tuesday, a lot of people, I'm sure, are taking that uh, Monday off. But the garden will be open um, 10 till 4.30. And then they're having the twilight opening uh, tomorrow, 5 till 8, um, which will include um, a band performance as well. But today it's open 10 till 5, just the normal garden open hours. Now, entry is $8, children under 18 are free, students $5. Uh, if you want to go to the Monday evening opening, though, that will be $40 entry um, because that includes the performance in the garden. There'll be plant sales, coffee and cake, uh, local pop-up stalls selling craft, preserves and other local produce, and there'll be local art um, displayed in the on-site gallery there. So uh, the address of that one, again, is 608 Dartmouth Road in Mitter Mitter. Now, coming up uh, next Sunday, the 11th of November, Open Gardens Victoria are also running a workshop 
This is with Jessamy Miller, um, and it's all about uh, chooks. Everything you've always wanted to know about uh, keeping chickens in your own backyard. Now, there'll be uh, two workshops, two sessions, one in the morning, 10 till 11.30, the other one in the afternoon, 12.30 till 2. Um, cost is $35, and uh, you can book for that one by going to opengardensvictoria.org.au in your book online. Now, the address is 3 Bower Street in Northcote there, and... Um, Morning or afternoon tea and workshop notes will be provided, but bookings are essential, of course. So again, to book, um, opengardensvictoria.org.au. Now, uh, coming up next weekend, um, there's a big um, garden opening uh, at Urambeen Garden, which is a historic homestead and gardens. Now, it's open next weekend both Saturday the 10th and Sunday the 11th of November, 10 a.m. through to 4 p.m. There's going to be uh, all sorts of... Uh, there'll be tours of the garden, there'll be live music, there'll be plant sales, there'll be a local art exhibition, there'll be gourmet market stalls with um, Pyrenees local food and <coughs> wine. And uh, for bookings and more details, you can go to... Urambeen.com.au Now that's spelt E-U-R-A-M-B-E-E-N Urambeen.com.au uh, Tickets are $15 And uh, the uh, I'll just give you the address If I can uh, find it Somewhere here Where are we? Uh, let me see Yes, the address 232 Urambeen Streatham Road in Beaufort. So this is in the Western District of Victoria. It's in Beaufort. Uh, so it's 232 Urambeen Streatham. And Streatham is S-T-R-E-A-T-H-A-M, Streatham Road, uh, Urambeen Streatham Road, Beaufort there for that one. We will be talking to the garden owner uh, next Sunday morning to learn a little bit more about the... Um, the actual uh, homestead and the gardens up there, but it uh, uh, should be very interesting. But if you, it's an advance notice if you want to plan next weekend to head up there for that one. Now, just a few more that I should quickly mention. Uh, Geelong Botanic Garden have got their next themed garden walk, which is called Roses of Love and War. This is on next Sunday, the 11th of November, 2 o'clock. You meet your guide at the front steps of Geelong Botanic Garden. Entry is by gold coin donation. And, uh, of course, it's going to be having a long look at uh, roses, their colourful history. They've been symbols of love, beauty, war and politics. You join your guide, as I said, at the Geelong Botanic Garden's front steps there and learn all about that. So that's 2 o'clock next Sunday. And just a reminder that uh, Garden Design Fest is coming up. Have you ever participated in that, Loretta? No, I haven't. Okay. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity to go and visit a lot of open gardens, but in each garden, the actual garden designer is there on yes. hand. Yes, And you, know, you can ask them all sorts of questions about um, 
problems they might have encountered along the mm. way, why they planned a particular colour scheme or yeah. what ha- other details they had to take into account depending on what the owners wanted. Um, yeah, and so, there's so many gardens in it, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Now, um, it's running over two weekends. Um, the 10th and the 11th, of course, which is next weekend, that's when they're going to rural Victoria and there'll be gardens open in Ballarat, Bendigo and the Macedon area. Then 17th and 18th are gardens in metropolitan Melbourne area <laughs> and also the Mornington Peninsula. So there's approximately 30 hand-picked, professionally designed private gardens um, open to visit uh, and there's also, they're running bus tours. If you don't want to do any of that driving, you can actually book to go on um, a bus for this as well. Uh, so um, the buses, uh, let me see if I've got that information somewhere. The bus tours, yes. Um, at the, they're going to the Goldfields region of Ballarat on Saturday the 10th. Then on Saturday the 17th, they're doing Melbourne Metro. And then on Sunday the 18th, they're doing the Mornington Peninsula area. Now, there are a cost, of course, involved with those bus trips. But um, it's, uh, if you want a more relaxed way of getting to some of these gardens, that's fine. You can purchase tickets online, and I highly recommend you do that. Um, if you want to... Uh, <coughs> $40 if you want to book for all of the gardens... Um, up in the uh, regional area, which will keep you running, I can guarantee, bit from one garden to the next. Or if you want to cover all gardens uh, in the Melbourne and Peninsula um, areas, $60 for that weekend. But you can purchase single garden entry on the day at the garden gate. And depending on the size of the garden, single entry prices are $5, $8 or $12 for that one. So... Um, uh, if you want to purchase uh, tickets, simply punch in Garden Design Fest and it will all come up for you and uh, that's where you can, you can also book uh, the bus trips if you're interested in those ones. So uh, the next two weekends are going to be absolutely fabulous. So I do recommend that, uh, that people take advantage of that because this only comes up once every two years. So um, it's a really wonderful opportunity to see some of these private gardens that don't normally open up to the public. All right, well, it is high time we opened up our talkback lines for listeners. Um, If you'd like to give us a call this morning, we have uh, Virginia Haywood online. We also um, have Loretta Childs, who, of course, is a garden designer in her own right um, in the studio. So do give us a call. That number is 94190155 to speak to the team on air. Or this morning we have Doug on the outside line. If you'd like to have a chat to Doug, 94198377. You've got one there, Virginia. Yes, the Upper Yarra Valley Garden Club, which is my garden club, has got, well, it says five, but in actual fact there's six because one garden is two gardens. Okay. Um, Six open gardens today. Uh, they run from uh, right along the Warburton Highway, which is you go through Lilydale and then turn off the Maroondah Highway onto the Warburton Highway. Mm-hmm. And they start in launch. The first one's in Launching Place, the second one in Yarra Junction, and then there's three in Warburton and one in East Warburton. East Warburton is quite a way on. Yes. <laughs> And I will be in East Warburton, the East Warburton one this afternoon because I've been asked to sit on the plant sales oh, okay. desk. Yep. 
Um, and I went to half of them yesterday, and the first two are just so full of roses. It was extraordinary. There right. were just so many roses. It was just fabulous. And then the third one, which is two gardens, one really very modern and very smart new garden and then one older garden that I've been to several times and is just lovely. Mm-hmm. Warburton does have some wonderful gardens. So if people are not doing anything today, head, to the Warburton, head up to Warburton and on the highway, when you get to Launching Place, you'll see the sign saying Open Garden. Okay. Again, the same at Yarra Junction. Both of them are off the highway, but the signs are on the highway. Right. And whichever one you get to, you can then buy a ticket for all five or six or seven, actually. Seven in all, when I think about it. <laughs> Sorry. No, never been good at numbers. Did pass six, uh, six form maths, but only just. <laughs> yes, no, I'm looking at the form, and there's, they say six, but I know two of them are in one. There's two gardens. And one of them was a very new garden, house just built, and the garden was, you know, okay. But the hard landscaping was absolutely fabulous because, you know, of course, a lot of Warburton's very, very steep. Yes. Mm. And they'd done some absolute... I mean, the hard landscaping what was, it, was what was interesting in that garden. So there's all sorts of things there. And there's a sausage sizzle one, and there's a bookstall, and there's plant sales, all at different ones. Yep. And I'll be at the very last one up in East Warburton from half past 12. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of driving today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't got, go over the speed limit, remember oh, that. Oh, I don't, I don't. Yeah. My life would be ruined if I lost mm. my licence. And somebody passed me going through Lilydale, and they were doing about 65, and I thought, ooh, they don't know that there's a, a camera. I mean, Lilydale's a shocker. You have to be on the speed limit, yes. which is 50, not 53 Yes. in Lilydale. Yes. The Warburton Highway is a nightmare. Oh, isn't I it mean, shocking? It, you know, from 50 to 40, then it's 70, then it's 80, and, and the, then suddenly it's 50. And then it's 90. And it's in 90. one place, yes. it's 90. And between my house mm. and Lilydale takes me 15 minutes, and if schools are in, mm. I can go through 14 speed chambers in, in 15 minutes. Mm. Yep. And, this, and the towns... One town's 40, three towns are 50, and the others are 60. Mm. Explain to me, why aren't all the towns the same? Mm. It's, the, it's the maddest highway. It's very confusing, isn't mm. it? Yeah. yeah. Ah, Loretta, what have you been up to? Have you got any projects that um, uh, you're working on at the moment? At the moment I'm working, I've, I've come from Sunbury, a job in Sunbury, which was a childcare centre and a brand new one, and this was pretty exciting in respect to... They were really conscious of their habitat, and even though it was a new build, we had to create that habitat, um, which which was with rock work, it was with waterways, it's with, you know, logs in the in the garden, and you know, from absolutely scratch, we're really mm. sort of we've got there now. So it's really exciting because the children who, as we know, are spending these inordinate amount of time in childcare centres. Yes. So if there's sort of plastic and concrete and all those things, you know, I, I sort of, from having four children myself, feel really passionate about it. And mm. these have ended up with um, large mounds of rock that they have to scale and slide down slides and um, teepees out of old st- stringy bark saplings and in the sand pits um, and the babies' areas. They've sort of got sensory paths in sandstone and all sorts of stuff. So that's that was pretty exciting to get it finished, I must say. Um, but from there, I've gone on to 
a job in Eltham, and it's nice to be at home. (laughs) (laughs) Not too far to travel. (laughs) So to wander down uh, 15 minutes down the road is really lovely, and it's a fabulous property, um, an original Knox box, as we call them. Uh, And uh, so there's been a big build that's gone on there as well. A large barn's been built, and there's a swimming pool that's been put in that I've come in to sort of landscape around that okay. and to really make it um, habitable. With the childcare centre, are you very aware of things like bees? Uh, bees as in bring bees to or keeping, or bees keeping away. them away. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because we had we were back there last week and there was an ant infestation. Oh. And, of course, they were freaking out about the ants, you know, and thinking, oh, we're going to have all these children and so the people are spraying them and whatnot no, and we're going, no, you no. know what, you, you just, they're going to come, they're going to go, they're going, you know, it's just, it's the habitat once again. And also, unless they're biting ants, hmm. there's no problem. They're yes. little things. They, yep. don't they were just little things and so, you know, trying to, exp- this was the, um, the newly employed um, headmistress, whatever, mm. whatever she's called. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and they have chooks as well, so they put chooks in that the children... And we've got vegetable gardens and herb gardens. So inevitably you're going to have bees. I mean, I adore my bees. bees. I've got so many bees this year, and, yep. I, and I've got three different sorts of frogs, and, mm. I, and I love this, yes. you know. Yeah. I dug up... the. I only use a fork now. I never use a spade mm. in the garden mm. because I keep digging up pobble bombs. Okay. And they're, you know, they're, not, they're quite big, mm. Mm. you know, the size of my palm. Yeah. And so I dig them up and yeah. hopefully, and the same with worms. I don't like skewering worms, cutting them in mm. half with the spade. Yeah. Mm. Hence using the fork. But this pobble bonk, I didn't hurt him, so I carefully dug another hole for him and put him back in. Yep. And yeah. they're bonking away every night. They're mm. so <laughs> loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well, we were lucky because our clients... Um, have been the most gracious clients, um, Jenny and uh, um, Stephen. And it's been lovely because they give you so much um, inspiration in letting you do what you feel is best. Mm. And you do your best work because you're there with their trust. Yes. And they um, they had been away overseas for about seven weeks and came back and I'd sort of just finished all the rock work, planted just prior to, and just before we mulched. And... Already, they've put in a drip system, we've mulched, and within a week, and that bit of rain we had last week, the flowers, it is a native garden right. um, primarily, but she has exotics in various places, so we've done a few exotics in other areas, but around the swimming pool, we have a, it's very steep, and I've put a path all the way through, we have bollards um, in lovely rustic timbers and seats and whatnot, and we've sort of all sat there the other day with a glass of champagne, that's us workers and our lovely um, clients. So, yeah, it's been a really lovely, lovely job to do yeah. back at home. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. Mm. What's the soil been like? Uh, hard clay? Look, uh, not too bad. I mean, it's it's pretty hard and dry. I've brought in soil. I tend to bring soil in to try and break it up and mix it up. And with the excavator, it's pretty handy. Five-ton excavator always gets right in there. <laughs> so, you know, we break it all up and then add it and blend. And I don't sort of just put it on top. No, no, no. The worst sort of sea yep. of all. So, yeah, the soil's pretty good. And with a good drip system, they had a lot of um, trees 
that they mulched up, that, you know, old trees that have been... So we've used the same mulch. So we haven't been bringing that much stuff in apart from the maybe 70 or 80 I must cubic say, metres of rock. Okay. Mm. I've planted a lot of trees at my place, particularly on the southern side, mm. because I didn't have any deciduous trees at all. Yep. And I've just planted... I initially just planted them in the ground. Yeah. But since I've taken the grass away and mulched them all, mm. they are growing so much better. The competition with you know yeah. buffalo and kakuyu and yeah. some of those grasses we've mm. got yeah. is yeah. really quite tough. Yeah. And they're so much happier. They're growing so much faster. Mm. Well, we're actually talking of deciduous. We got um, put in five reasonably mature uh, Melia azarac, oh, yes. the white cedar, but this is the elite um, and Elite has got the berry, but it's not a poisonous berry. It's been bred out. Oh, really? And okay. So it's really terrific because we also, we've put quite a few Amelia's in um, schools. Mm. And, of course, you just can't have that poisonous berry. Mm. Uh, so it, they sort of looked a bit stick-like, but now they're starting to look really quite beautiful. And some, uh, about seven or eight um, Hymenospernum. Oh, I love that frangipani. tree. I love that and tree. And they've they've sort of we've planted them right down the bank, and the pools up here, so they're actually going to grow up, and they're going to see the head. So you'll actually be ah, that's fantastic because that's the one mm. thing with hymenosperm. Mm. They're so tall. It's beautiful. That's right. Yeah. Yes. But they do have the most wonderful scent, and it's a be- Although I I also think the melia has a mm. beautiful flower. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful flower. Yeah. Mm. I love those trees. Yeah, mm. they're fantastic. Although, they? to be absolutely honest, I just love trees. <laughs> <laughs> but they've used they've used Melia as street trees in in yep. parts of Eltham. Yep, and they work really well. Yeah, mm. they do. And yeah. uh, I don't know if they are. They're probably not the elite, but they're still. Yeah, well, I mean, this they've got a family where they've got grandchildren and whatnot. So you've just you're trying just, to be a bit more conscious. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And if we're putting them in a childcare centre or a school. It uh, makes absolute sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Although right. I do say to people who say, oh, is that poisonous? And I say, assume everything's poisonous. Mm. The mm. best way to deal with your garden is assume everything's poisonous till yep. proven otherwise. Yeah. And I do think it's the only way to go. Yeah, so don't chew on oleanders. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> or bugmancia. <Yeah. laughs> but, I mean, seriously, why why should you go around chewing on bits and pieces? Mm. I mean, <coughs> you know, plants are plants. I mm. mean, if you really want something to chew on, then, then and you we, know. We always have such problem in the botanic gardens in autumn when the mushrooms come up. Oh. <coughs> because we've got some really, you, know, you get very poisonous mushrooms, particularly under oaks. Do you find, do you find visitors try and yeah. pick them? Yeah. Because really? some of them look, some of the really poisonous ones actually look, look quite like, like an mushroom. ordinary mushroom. Yes. 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 And so yes. signs go up everywhere and yes. temporary fencing around. And it's, mm. I mean, Gosh, it's, I hadn't thought of that being a problem yeah, in the no, garden. Yeah. And I, when I first came to my place, every year I'd find all these people turning up at, um, in autumn wanting to come and pick oh. mushrooms from my place. Right. right, yeah. And because the man who sold it to me was horrible, I sent them all away because I didn't want anything to do with him. He was awful. Right. Yes. Mm. But, um, you know, they, they, every year they'd turn mm. up for about three or four years. Goodness me. Because yeah. I've got some fairly unusual edible mushrooms. But right. I don't pick them myself. I'm, I'm too, I, I've got a friend in, in London, or she doesn't live in London, she lives up in Norwich, and she knows mushrooms. And, mm. she, and I'll go walking, when I'm over there, I'll go walking with her in, in the forest 
and she'll pick all these amazing things and cook us this wonderful risotto. Mm. But mm. I, I just don't have the confidence. Yeah, no, fair won't, enough. Won't do it. <coughs> yep. And often it's how they're treated. Yes, you know, in the well. cooking yes, process. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. You yeah. really need to know what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Well, Burke and Wills. <sighs> Burke and Wills died because they ate something that they'd seen Aboriginal people eat, yeah. but they only sat with the blokes. They didn't mm. sit they with didn't the see women, how it was prepared. So they didn't see how it was prepared. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I've got that in my pond. <laughs> but I'm not eating it. No, no, fair enough. Mm. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15, so plenty of time if you'd like to jump on the phones and ask a gardening question this morning. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 94190155 to speak to uh, Virginia or Loretta, or if you'd like to have a chat to Doug on the outside line, 94198377. Virginia, let's get started on some of your plants. Well, this first one, it's, it's called Cantua buxifolia. We also know it as Pride of the Incas, although it's also called the Peruvian Magic Tree. And Wikipedia tells us that it's called Qantas, yeah. spelt Q-A-N-T-U-S, or Quanta, which, okay. is, which is apparently what it's called. I mean, you, no, sorry, drop the U, Q-A-N-T-U-S. So the same as in the yellow. Yes, and you so rarely see mm. a Q with Without a, a U. after it. Yes. Yeah. And it's a really quite, it's a very ordinary bush. It's a bit stick, it grows to about shoulder height. I pruned mine last year because it had got even higher than that. It was over five foot. And it was very lax and just ordinary looking so I pruned it within an inch of its life and it's come back much tighter and looking beautiful because the plant isn't exciting but the flower is absolutely beautiful it's um, pink with quite an orange to it as well and it's nearly as long it's as long as my little finger and it's a bell so uh, so it's quite quite stunning this very very vibrant bright pink and you can also get it in a yellow, and Sue has got one where the yellow and the pink are mixed. Mm. So it's a rather special. <coughs> it's the national flower of both Chile and, uh, and Bolivia, and it grows up in the, um, in the mountains, in the Andes. Okay. And we've got quite a few of them in the botanic gardens. It grows at my place very happily. It does say that it's, it won't survive an under minus five, but I don't think I ever get under minus five. And it's, it flowers right on the end, so the branches tend to hang down a bit, and you've got these amazing things hanging down. And it flowers on new growth, which I, was, I hoped, but I wasn't sure, because mm. I pruned it so hard. If it wasn't on new growth, I wasn't then going to have trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's a really, really lovely flower. Pride of the Incas, Cantua buxifolia. Okay. We might go to a couple of callers next. Uh, first up, we have uh, Chris, who's in Ferntree Gully. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, hi. Thanks for that. Look, I'm just wondering about coriander. Mine have gone to seed yep. and it hasn't been very hot. Now, I'm just wondering what the best time for planting this Autumn. is. Uh, Autumn. Autumn. But mm. the other thing, too, two things about coriander going to seed. The green seed is delicious to eat. Right. particularly if you make curries, the green seed put in late. In fact, eat a little bit of the seed. It's delicious. And two, coriander goes to seed if you plant it as a seedling. 
So let those seeds, the ones you don't eat, fall to the ground Mm. because it's one of those plants that (coughs) loathes being planted as a seedling and that makes it bolt. Right. I've been planting them as seeds, but it was probably only uh, maybe two months ago, which would be September or something. Is that too late, is it? No, well, it's not too late, but if you plant it in autumn, it does give you a longer, much longer feel. Yes. But I plant, I plant it all year. And one of the things I do is I plant it, when I plant it in autumn, I plant it somewhere quite sunny. But the ones I've planted recently, I've planted where they'll get afternoon shade because of the heat. It's the heat that's making it Mm. bolt. Mm. But I'd say just let it seed and they'll come up. And they'll just, you let it seed, it'll come up, seed again, let it seed and it'll come up. But also eat those green seeds, they're delicious. All right, and just one more question for, for peas. Now, some of the books say green feast. Peas can be planted from July to December and the other varieties in autumn. Uh, I, I don't think planting peas this late in the year would be a good idea, do you think? I think you could plant a snow pea. You huh? could easily plant snow a peas. snow peas yeah. or sugar snap peas, <coughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, but green feast are the normal sort of things. And I don't know how I'd know whether it's green feast or not if I just bought a packet. That's the problem. Buy a packet that says snow pea. Snow peas. All Snow right. peas, you know, that's when you eat the, <coughs> the pod. The pod as well. Yeah, yeah. And the sugar uh, and snap. And the sugar, sugar snap. snap, for sure. All right, thanks. And just lastly, the, the other ones <coughs> can be planted in autumn, like March or April or something like that, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and also, I've just been planting eggplant. Eggplant is delicious and really easy to grow. I have trouble with tomatoes because I keep, you know, once it gets hot, I go down the beach and I abandon my garden because I can't do anything in it. And so tomatoes, you really have to be there all the time. But I find eggplant is a really wonderful thing to grow. And I've just been doing it now. All right. Thanks a lot for all your help. (laughs) Okay. That's fine. (coughs) Bye. All right. Next up, we're going to go to uh, Anne, who's out in Northcote. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. I wanted to ask, good morning, um, Lavetta, I'm a friend of Tristan's, so I just wanted to say hi. Hi. But also, hi. Um, I wanted to ask about asparagus. Uh, I'm not sure how to treat it. Asparagus? Firstly, yeah, asparagus. Okay, um, I've never grown asparagus, so it's pretty <laughs> tricky for me. Have you, have you got the crowns? Have you bought the crowns, Anne? They've been in for about um, eight, six, six years, something like that. So oh, really? I've had a few crops from them. Right. <clears throat> but originally I remember the instructions were to let them, um, don't pick them for the first two First year or so, That's yes. right. And the other thing with yep. asparagus, it really needs to be fed. They're very yeah. heavy feeders, so you need lots and lots of um, um, organic uh, food, cow manure or chicken manure or whatever you can lay your hands on, um, plus a good um, all-purpose fertiliser. And I tend to forget my asparagus and then suddenly they've all gone to seed because I haven't picked them. Yeah, you've got to keep your eye on them. They happen very quickly. Back at the beach. (laughs) So once the initial um, growth patterns developed in those, you don't let them go to seed again after that, do you? I'm just thinking they're in the hot sun all day and do they need a little bit of protection from the seed front? No, 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 I don't. And, and and you leave the fronds, let the fronds come up and let them die down naturally. That's Which what make, I'm wondering. Yeah, so yeah no, you, you leave those fronds on. They're, yes. they're like a bowl. I can say that. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, when mm. you pick them, you eat them, you pick them, you eat them. 
then you just let them go and the all the frondy stuff feeds the base of the plant. Ba- yeah. I mean, there's, I, I, I don't believe in tidy gardening. If you start tidying up your bulbs, your asparagus, they, you, you haven't got any way of feeding what the plant. So it's very important not to get too tidy on things like that. Mm. But the question is that they've already fronded, and so do, I don't know what to do. Just leave them. Ignore them yeah. now. So if you don't cut them when they're ready to eat, let them frond, mm. and then that sort of is protecting them from the sun. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm not getting, because I'm not quick enough, I'm not getting enough to eat. So I, that's, I'm confused. If you keep, if you let them go now, or if you, you'll still get some you should be able to pick just for a, another week if or so. If you've had them in for eight years, though, you don't need to, I mean, I'd be picking them as much as I could. could. Keep, you just have to honestly have a quick visit down to look at them each day. Once they start um, coming in, you, they really need to be harvested virtually every day. Mm. And um and I yes I so I'd be I'd be keeping my eye on them picking them as often as you can, and then just once um once they get too spindly just leave the fronds uh, and wait till they completely die down. But if if you um, both Stephen and I found that by having a few crowns in we weren't getting enough um, for what we wanted for harvesting we were only getting like two or three a day which was a bit annoying. So um, if you really want to have a, a feast of asparagus, you probably need to um, get a few more um, crowns next autumn and plant those as well to, to try and build up your, your supply. And they do say that what you should do is try and get male plants because they don't... They the don't. male pla- plants don't have the berries, but I have, I have um, allowed the berries... Um, when they come up to self-seed, and I still do get um, new ones, new new mm. asparagus plants. But the female ones are, tend to be thinner, more spindly um, in the spears. The male ones, um, are, the are, thicker ones. are the nice, thicker ones. Okay. But yeah. really, now uh, pick what you can now, and then then ignore, and then in the autumn dump a whole lot of um, buy a bag of poo. Mm. Um, you really need to feed them up mm. well. Put some poo mm. on them. Mm. All right, well, I'll put well pooed up because I go. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Anne. I go, I go to the peninsula and when I go, I get horse poo. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that's, that's perfect for them. And that's some, of, some of the garages sell bags of poo. You know, you can get three bags for $15 mm-hmm. and things yeah. like that. And that, I, mm-hmm. I'm a great believer in poo. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing to do. The other <coughs> thing is if you're, if you're thinking about getting some more crowns, um, the purple one isn't as productive as the green. And there's a particular variety called Fat Bastard. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's, a, that's a very good one. That's, that's really nice thick spears. So I would uh, try and get your hands on some of those to uh, add more to your harvesting. Thank you. So with the one, the crown, the crowns that have seeded, they won't really produce again. Is that right? Oh, they should, yeah, they should go on continuously producing. Not in the same season, no. So the, the oh, little yes. arms won't. Oh, okay. Yes, you'll get, you'll get more. 
right. definitely well, get more. Um, mine, are, mine are only just coming into, um, mine are only just starting to produce in the last week or so, and and they will run through for. I'll get quite a few weeks of of that. Okay. They will go on producing. Alright, I'll leave the fronds and I'll watch more carefully and and I'm try and here. try and pick them. Yes, because that's my problem. I I do the same as you. I don't go out for a couple of days and suddenly I've got yeah. fronds leaning yeah, over everywhere. And, and the more you can pick them, the more you'll encourage more to come along. Yeah. So um so you do really need to try and pick them. Mm, unfortunately, my neighbour has planted um, <coughs> a Chilean willow on the other side of the fence. Oh no! Oh. It's um it just takes all of this goodness. Yes. Yes. It's um, battling there a bit. But anyway, I'll never mind. Good luck. Thank you. So happy I could help you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Okay. You were there. You were there for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. Good luck with that. Bye. That number again, if you'd like to uh, ask a gardening question this morning, nine four one nine zero one double five to speak to Virginia or Loretta, or if you'd like to have a chat to Doug on the outside line, nine four one nine eight three double seven. Question, Pam, do you yes. think that asparagus needs to be changed after it's been in after ten years or something? I like suspect, that? yes, I suspect the crowns probably do have a natural lifespan, and I've been meaning to ask Stephen whether he's. I know he he did buy a lot more crowns, but he was adding to his mm. um to mm. his crop. Because um, mine must be well, mine were there when I came, and so they're definitely over fifteen years. Mm. Are they? Yeah. But they're still producing. They're still producing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've I've been meaning. It's a question I've been meaning to ask too, because I, I don't want to know. S- I want to start a new one. I think a, a fat bastard. I figure I should have. They a fat are. Bastard. Yeah. Well, they are. They are definitely a much superior. Um, spear, mm. you know, if you've got the choice, mm. if you're starting again. Yeah, sure. I, yeah and I actually, um, being at a restaurant and the white asparagus, I don't actually find them appealing to even look at. Mm. As a, you know what yes. I mean? You, you think of asparagus, and that, I, I was at a very flash restaurant in um, Singapore earlier in the year, mm. and I, oh, we'll have the asparagus, and cost a fortune, but you know, yes. <laughs> didn't yeah. and it tasted okay. Well, but in, in in France, they absolutely prize the white asparagus, yeah. but it's all that work because you've got to stop the light from getting to yeah. it. Oh, and yeah. I think it's lost all its flavour, to be quite mm. honest. Mm. And it must yep. lose some of its goodness. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So but it's that thing about growing something that's difficult. Mm. Isn't it? Yeah, you know, they, true. They do it with rhubarb. Too. They do it with rhubarb yeah. exactly. Mm. It's the same thing. But but yeah, no. I personally, I mm. I don't hold to the white one at all. Anyway, yeah. okay. As I mentioned, if you'd like to uh, hop on the phones nine four one nine zero one double five, or to speak to Doug on the outside line nine four one nine eight three double seven. Virginia, another plant. Well, I picked this this morning. And it was almost light, so it must have been somewhere around six o'clock. And it looks absolutely appalling, which it, tells you... It doesn't make a good cut flower. <laughs> it's not a good cut flower. It's one of Stephen's favourites. He put it in, you know, he did those books on my favourite plants. Uh, yes. And, and it's called Jovalana, uh, and its ordinary name is the violet teacup flower. So it has these... You can see there's all these little points. There's a lot of flowers on every mm. on, on every tip, 
and they're tiny. They're only they're only the size of your fingernail. Okay. And when you look in them, they've got all these freckles. Okay. They're very pale purple. And then inside there's a yellow dot and all these little freckles. It's as pretty as pretty as pretty. And mm. I grow it on the southern side of my house because most of the southern side still gets sun, but it's protected from things like the north wind. Yep. And it grows, it's another one that grows to about five foot. It also comes from Chile. And it, um, and I, it does um, send out suckers, but it doesn't send them very far. So I've now got three clumps of it mm-hmm. all down that south side. So you walk along you, and you notice it because there's so many flowers on it and it's such an unusual little thing. Wander another 50 feet down and there's another one and then there's another one and I've just done them from, from suckers. So once you've got one, you can give it to your friends. It's a really, really pretty thing. And it's almost oak leafy yes, shape, tiny isn't it? Little, tiny yes, little oak leaf yes. shape, yeah. Um, and it's a pretty bush, unlike mm. unlike the the cantua, the pride of the Incas. Mm. This this one, the violet teacup pl- flower, is a sweet plant as well. Mm. So mm. I think it's a it's an interesting one to grow. So do you cut it back? Oh, or I, mm, occasionally. Really. Yeah, okay. it's one of those ones that I'll I'll have a go at mm. you know tidying it up. But I think I haven't tried cutting it hard. I haven't yeah. needed to. It yeah. doesn't get. It, that, it hasn't that, as well yet, as opposed to perhaps the whereas, pride of the Incas, which gets very leggy, leggy yeah. and messy. It's it's a much tighter bush, mm. so it's quite happy as a bush. Yep. So I'm quite happy with it. Mm. It's a good one. Excellent. Okay, we're going next to Geoffrey, who's in Warrigal. Good morning, Geoffrey. Good morning. Uh, nice listening to your show. Um, bit of detective question. You were talking about Amelia Azarax before, weren't you? Or Amelia? Yes. Yes. White cedar. I was walking along Flemington Road a couple of days ago, yesterday. On your way to I the went, races. <laughs> uh, and I walked past the house, um, and it was quite a coincidence. There was a, a sort of an avenue of those particular trees, which I think are a bit of a health hazard, perhaps, but um, because it might slip on them and break their neck. Yes. Uh, but in the front yard of a, a little cottage was a Japanese maple, which had a quite a nice red leaf at this time of the year. It was cut. The leaf, you know, had that sort of cut appearance. Yeah, cut leaf, yep. Mm-hmm. And there were bunches of little seed pods almost identical to the Abelia azarax hanging down. And I've never seen that sort of seed structure on a maple before. I was wondering if any of you women... It is flowering at the moment, the maple. Flowering going off. Yes. Yeah, I know, but these were just like little... Sort of pale Maltesers hanging clusters. They have off. a seed. A seed. All maples have a seed that sort of floats in the air. Mm. You know, yeah. it'll just well, this take off. Have it would have mm. dropped to the ground with the uh, with the Abelia or Amelia seeds. It okay. was almost identical to them, but I made sure that they weren't the same plant. But yes, because unlike mm. the Amelia, the the maple won't have berries. Mm. Yes, you're right. Well, but anything with berries were, can actually become very slippery underfoot at certain times yeah, of the year. Have you got any idea of what particular type of maple that might be? Cause if I've it was red, it would be one of the Japanese. Mm. How oh, fine was the, the leaf? The dissecting uh, is a very spidery, fine, fluffy leaf. Well, is it, was it's, a, it's a cut leaf one, but it's not a very cut leaf okay. one. I mean, I've got quite a few maples growing. Mm. 
So when I would say leaves, it's sort of like, and some are very heavily cut, if you like, mm. very delicate, and some have hardly any at all. Um, and they'd be somewhere in between. <laughs> and they're a fairly small leaf too. I went to a garden in 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 Warburton the other day that was just absolutely full of different maples, and it was just extraordinary. He had them in... I don't know how many different shades of green. A lot uh, of them cut leaf. Some of them uh, really finely cut leaf. And uh, how many different shades of red. It was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And, and it's, it's on the market. It's, it's for sale. So anybody who wants to, to look at fabulous maples, yeah. go and visit. Was this a commercial enterprise you're talking about? Or? No, no. It was a private garden. It's private. an absolutely beautiful garden in, in Warburton. And it's for sale. The house is for sale. Yeah. And the, Whereabouts? Um, not, uh, not Old Warburton Road? No, oh, it's on one of those dead-end okay. roads that's... Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Sexton's You'd be able to get a, okay. a really good collection of maples up in the uh, Dandenong yeah. place called your minor rare plants. Yeah. Well, um, Pete, who, who's... Whose house is for sale? He used to work at Yamina, which I'm sure is why he's got so many stunning ma- uh, maples. Mm. Oh right, yep. yep. It's absolutely it was absolutely beautiful. But when I first came back to Australia from living in London, I was living in Kew because I had my father with me, and it was somewhere where he'd be comfortable. And we had a maple in the front of the house that was completely shaded. So it didn't. It had no problem with sun. It was cut leaf. It was a green one. And every year it would just look awful by February because it couldn't cope with the north wind. Mm, yeah. Mm. And I do think they need protection. Of course, um, when you go to Warburton, it's just an extraordinary place because it's just between these massive mountains, mm. and one of, one set of mountains is to the north. Yep. Yep. Uh, so they just must get a lot more protection than mm. we're used to mm. in most places. Uh, I'd in say that not all maples are, are quite as sun sensitive. No, um, well, some I've, I've the sugar maple and some of those Canadian, Canadian ones maples aren't. Mm. Yeah. No, no, but even the Japanese maples, some of those, it's, uh, I'm not saying you plant them out in the middle of the desert, but um, <laughs> some of these are exposed to afternoon sun and they still. Uh, are they protected from the north wind, Geoffrey? Uh, yeah, they're, not at all. They're on at the top of the hill. Right. They cop the north wind. Um, there's one that's got leaves, fairly small cut leaves that are very tightly sort of uh, attached to the stems of the um, of the trunks of the tree. So they sort of look like toothbrushes. Sounds lovely. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's lots of them. <laughs> I like the sound of your garden. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for your help. Okay, then. Bye. That number again, if you'd like to join us this morning, 94190155, or to speak to Doug on the outside line, 94198377. Another plan, Virginia? Well, this one is beginning to look a bit worse for wear also, but is a really unusual plant. I grow it as an annual, and once I got it in, it agreed to come back year after year, like you know, your coriander will do. It's called Sorinth or Sorinthi Major or Honeywort. In the olden days, they thought that the bees got their wax from these plants. It's a Mediterranean plant, so it grows right through Europe. And they do say that it can not be an annual, but I've never seen it 
not annualise, as it were. And you see a lot of it in the Dandenongs, a lot of it in the Yarra Valley. It's and it's it's a very uh, the leaf is is a grey blue and a very unusual shape and grows right out on on the stem, and then you have this rather beautiful layered purple deep um, dark purple flower. And it sits two foot high, and it's mm. a really, really pretty plant, I think. And the colder your nights, your nights are, the deeper the colour is. The colour goes darker if you have a very cold night. Mm. Mm. So I've had really good colour this year because it's been so cold and I've had those frosts. So I think it's a really interesting... And it's one of those ones I think you'd be quite safe buying as a seed. Serinthi Major... Because for me, it just flowers, it's seeds. I know Sue has it all over her garden because it's seeded so so well in her garden. Her garden's colder than mine, um, but it does. It is seeding well in mine, and I think it's rather gorgeous. Mm. I haven't got any of it on the north side of the house. I suspect that would be too much for it. Although if it comes from the Mediterranean, southern Mediterranean's as hot as Hades. And it's a little bit bluey grey in the leaf, isn't it? Really, it's, it is, which is yeah. a lovely contrast to that mauve you often get, like the Dewintia. Yes. It's a, and and the um, the leaf structure is a similar thing to the Dewintia, where it comes off the off, stem. Actually, off the stem. Mm. Yes, it's mm. quite sessile, isn't it? Yeah, very. It's really lovely. So I think it's rather a nice mm. a nice one, and it's one of those fabulous things that disappears. In summer, so it doesn't matter if the, if it's really hot. Yeah, it's one of the things I'm I've done a lot with my garden. A lot of the things in my garden disappear in summer, in the you know February yes, March, yes, yes. which means I don't have to worry about them because they're hidden underground mm. and are quite happy and safe under there. Mm. Whereas the ones that are hanging around, I mean that the year of the fires, that was a very hot year, and my agapanthus of all things which I hasten to add I did not plant, mm. but my agapanthus melted. Mm. They actually melted mm. on that really, really hot. Those, we had three or four days over 40, and, they, yeah. just, and they, they went to mush. It's the most extraordinary sight, whereas all my wonderful bulbs, they've just gone underground, and they say, yeah. well, I don't care. No. Which no. I really approve of, <laughs> whether it be daffodils. Mm. Yeah. I've got a lot of daffodils, particularly the... The small ones. I love planting the really small daffodils. I think they're so divine. So divine. Mm. And then all my South African bulbs, which most of them disappear in the summer too, which is extremely sensible of them. Mm. Excellent. (laughs) Loretta, you've you've done quite a few preschool and school gardens Mm. now, haven't you? Are you finding that... um, that uh, your clients are much more open to having rocks and and logs and, Mm. um, you know, things for climbing than they used to be? Because at one stage everything was kid gloves, wasn't it? Absolutely. You know, children can't have a rock because Mm. children will fall over and hurt themselves or graze their knees or... Yeah. Do you you find that the attitude is changing? It's definitely changing and I think even when it comes down to the um, insurance companies because there is this um, risk factor in learning... So what mm. they're talking about now is the risk factor um, poses the, you know, the, the learning. 
and the learning is that we do need to be able to scramble up rocks. We need to sort of have, even to have these little stringy bark um, teepees and they can, there's going to be ants there too, Virginia. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they, and eventually they will be completely peeled back by the children, which is wonderful. But the, um, that integration into the kids being made aware of their environment, mm. um, and they have, we have a water pump on this one and it has a, a, a riverbed with rock sides and a little jetty and it's made of pebbles but it's all concreted in and they can just pump away, pump away and all the water just seeps into the garden. And so, you know, sort of the children are going to see because we do hope eventually there'll be frogs um, and lizards and all all the lovely creatures but it is a changing attitude and this um, client has, um, she's engaging us for another one over near Mernda uh, next year, but she went to the one in Roville. So everyone is sort of really getting on the bandwagon and realising that these children need to have this interaction. Well, it has changed, hasn't it? I mean, when I was a child, my brother and I would roam off for hours. Mm. Hours. Mm. I was brought up opposite Kuyong, Kuyong um, tennis courts. All right. And we, at some stage, decided that we were going to be, I don't know, um, Robin Hood or something, and <laughs> we used to go off, wander all mm. over Turak looking yeah. for lanes. Yeah. Mm. You wanted to know where all the lanes were. God only knows why, but mm. we did. Mm. Whereas now, you know, disappear for 10 minutes and yeah. better call the police. Yeah. Oh, it's, we have become I think it's so risk averse. Yeah. Well, I think it's changing because mm. um, I know our local preschool does a bush kinder every Friday yeah. now and yeah. and I know a lot of schools are starting to incorporate mm. that into their curriculum yeah. which is which is wonderful mm, absolutely uh, the Yarra Valley um uh out there this school where we had an area that was not used it was under liquid ambers the the you know most beautiful 50 60 70 year old liquid ambers and it was completely and utterly left all year. Even in the, the kids would go under there in the summer and sort of for a bit of shade, but in the winter, no one was interested. Mm. We've ended up creating a riverbed right through there, and seats and sand pits and all sorts of you know interactive stuff once again. And the children are there constantly. They mm. can't get them away from the liquid ambers, which is Fantastic. wonderful. We've Fantastic. protected their roots, mm. um, so they're not getting damaged, but. And they should be in under, outside under the, the shade. Trees, yes, yes know, absolutely. Instead yep. of inside under hmm. whatever it is. In front of screens. But it is changing. Mm. It's, it's definitely, and I think the childcare centres, I believe there's going to be a, a sort of a benchmark that you do have to have X amount of trees, X amount of this, this, this and this. I think it's on the, on the way for sure. Really? Mm. Does it create more paperwork? Um, I don't know because I'm not on that side of it, but, you know, our advice is that, I mean, when I was doing one large mound and I'm think- I got up the top and I'm thinking, gee whiz, it's looking pretty high up here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should be a little person and just squat down, but um, it all seems to be absolutely fine. Okay. They're, they're really good with it. So. Yeah. so you'll make sort of a mound that is maybe four or five metres in diameter right. out of clay, yep. and then we cover that in... Um, soil after we've rocked it. So I've, I've rocked all the way around. They've got climbing areas. <clears throat> the other side is um, just a runway, just in mulch, so they can run down. And then we've planted um, melias or it might be um, oh, what, casuarinas, allocasuarinas, 
and then mass planting of tanika or, you know, grasses mm, of some yes, sort. So yes. the whole mound becomes a big hairy mound of rock and trees and uh, the kids uh, can't wait to get out. We, have, we always, when we're building, we tend to have um, some of the clients' friends and children, they do a little bit of a run around and, yeah, they're into it. So, Great. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Lovely. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So... We're, and we've got a little bit of that. Um, my partner Julie, she's she's um, just building at the moment, but she's had a garden. She's been establishing kangaroo background for nearly twenty years. Right. And before they build, so they've lived there in the old house, and now they're building the house after all these years. Okay. The children are sort of in their teens, and yep. um, we're just starting to do <clears throat> connect to the house now, and and that's really very exciting project. Mm. It was on Open Garden two years ago and uh, there's going to be people were coming to the Open Garden and they're saying, look, it's the most beautiful garden. It's just extraordinary. But what about the house? (laughs) (laughs) We don't, they don't match. You know, you've got this amazing garden of exotics and natives and whatnot, but they just couldn't get the picture of the house being not that good. Right. So, yeah. So now it's rammed earth and... uh, Black charred um, hardwood timber. Oh, wow. And it's black as black, so yes. it's actually charred, and that's vertical timbers um, with the rammed earth and, uh, and core 10. Okay. So it's a very three beautiful mediums, very natural, and the garden's coming up to it at the moment, so it's very exciting. Wow. So has it been a problem with having to be very careful of what was already in the garden so you didn't disturb that or break that? Or No, we actually, over the last 10 years that I've worked there, we've um, <clears throat> brought it to a point where it's far enough away, excuse me. <coughs> so you, you had that cleared area ready Always for construction. Always had area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Slip. <laughs> Excellent. We might go to uh, a couple more callers. Next up we have Wendy out in Thank Reservoir. You. Good morning, Randy. <coughs> Uh, yes, good morning, and uh, as always, enjoying your, your discussion. Excellent. Um, what I'm calling about is, I don't know the, I think this is the right name, what uh, I call it the sticky weed. Yes, we all know what you mean. <laughs> sticky right, weed, right. sticky willy, cleavers, gallium, arpurin. So, yeah, I'm sort of madly pulling it out here and there. Yep. Um, is it something that can be composted or not? If it's not in flower, if it's not going not in to seed, yes, it's actually it's an American plant, and it's um, in America it is used herbally. Oh really? Mm. Wow! So that although we hate it, which I do, and yeah, I have a huge amount of it this year. Yeah, I have too. Yeah, yeah. I have a huge <coughs> amount, and it is easy to get out, and I don't even worry about taking out the root because it's an annual. It's the seed yeah. that is what. Goes you've, on. Got to, you've got to do it before it goes to seed. And if That's you get it thing. seedless, it's definitely fine in your... It's probably good for your compost because it's a herb. Okay. <laughs> well, you can wonderful. actually eat it. Yes, you can. And they make tea out of it, I believe, yep. in the States. I'm not going to make tea out of it. I'm not going to eat it either, but <laughs> I can wow. think of more appealing things to eat, personally. But And, and also the, the other one I'm having trouble with because of my little dog is um, uh, called what? Well, commonly known as Wandering Jew. Now that, I had a lot of wandering dew in my garden. If you're just persistent, you will get rid of it. Okay. 
right. And again, it's absolutely fine in the compost, but what you it's bad for your dog. Very so bad. It, it is worth... They get a skin allergic reactions to it. Yes. My so, dog, and she's always scratching and itching. Yes, yes. well, I, but I got rid of mine. It's still every now and again I find a bit of it comes yeah. back, but my front garden was full of it. Right. And when I was having a long phone call, I'd just go and sit down next to it and pull it out. You know, okay, and, and you did dig down to get the roots no, out? No, I just pulled it out and pulled oh, it out. Okay. Actually, right. actually, you can do quite well with just a metal rake. You can actually rake it out. Oh, wonderful. And that will, that will make your job a lot easier. Wonderful. Thank you very much for that. I'll uh, get to work today. <laughs> okay, good on you. Go, uh, Wendy. Bye. <laughs> bye. And uh, next up, we have uh, Gail out in Arthur's Creek. Good morning, Gail. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I'd like to put in a plug, please, for our garden walk next Sunday, the 11th of November. Right. It's um, at the Arthur's Creek Mechanics Institute. That's where we start and buy our maps. And um, mm-hmm. we've got five private gardens open. Um, we've got Jane Anwar's pottery, Tara Stubby's paintings, Melissa Thomas's garden sculptures, many, many things at the hall to enjoy. And this is our 30th year of consecutive garden walks. Wow. So we think, you know, we're pretty proud of that. Yes, you're doing very well. That's, that's amazing. And all the um, proceeds of the day go towards the Arthur's Creek Mechanics Institute and its continuing restoration, which is wonderful. Um, one of the gardens we're opening this next Sunday is a garden that's the owner has contributed to the Whistlesea Show this year and won heaps and heaps of prizes in the vegetable section. Ah. So we're really looking forward to seeing her veggie garden plus <laughs> oh, yes. the rest of her garden this weekend. Yes. And, can, uh, can, yeah. we, can we find it online, girl? No, it, it will be under the Arthur's Creek Mechanics Institute um, web page. Okay. Right. Um, but for those who want to drive out, Melway's reference, 393B4. We um, sell tickets from 9.30 at the hall until 3.00. And the gardens are actually open until 5.30pm. How oh, many nice. gardens, Gail? We're having five this year. Five, okay. And where do they, um, where do they start? Um, you can go in any order, yep. but we've got some in Arthur's Creek, yep. one just off in Doreen, and another two in Nutfield. Okay. So we're very close. Yep. It's mm. within 10 minutes drive from each garden. Mm. Mm. Excellent. And Sounds like uh, fun. Yeah. We really have appreciated 3CR's support over the years, so um, we hope that some of your listeners might come I'll come. have a look. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Love yourself. an open garden. <laughs> I'll be down at the hall. Introduce yourself. I'm Gail. <laughs> All right, Gail, I'll look for you. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Gail, just before you go, tell me, um, if people turn up to the, uh, to the hall first up, um, do they can they get some sort of a, a map to give them directions of where the different gardens are? Or we have a little booklet that we produce each year. Right. Um, it's got in the booklet. It's, it's the front page has got twenty or well, thirtieth annual garden walk on it and the date. And then from then on, we've got a description of each of the gardens in the booklet. Plus, in the very middle, we have a map. Excellent. So um, <laughs> people can choose which order they go in. But the people selling the booklet um, will. We'll advise you depending on how many people they've sent one way or the other. Sure. Okay. And what about costs, Gail? Uh, $20 for an adult, students and children free. 
That's and that a, covers what? All like the five gardens. The five, yeah, the five gardens. Wow, that's cheap at the it, price. It, it's exactly the same for us this weekend in Warburton. Oh, we're, good, yeah. We're $20. Yes. Yeah, for I think six that's gardens. very reasonable. I think it's extremely reasonable. So this mm. week... I'm going to Warburton. Next week, I'm going to Arthur's Creek. Uh, it's, it's Sunday the 11th. Thank you very much. And we have really lovely Devonshire teas and all sorts of things to eat as well. And, mm. and one, one final thing. Are all the garden uh, gardens uh, wheelchair-friendly? or? Oh, look, mostly. Mo- uh, um, they're all, you, the wheelchair could get into all of them. Yes. Um, there is a walk from some parking areas, but on all, any garden that has got that walk, people can take the car to the top and take people out up there and then return the car to the car park. Excellent. Yes, so yes. no, we've taken all that into account. That's great. Um, one of the gardens, which is very big, has even got, you know, toilet facilities and everything else there. So um, other than that, the toilet facilities are at the Arthur's Creek Hall. Yes, sure. Lovely. Okay. Thank you very well, much. Well, all the that. very best with it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Just pray for good weather now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, but look, gardeners don't mind rain. In no. fact, we love rain. <laughs> they, I, I would adore rain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, thanks very much, Gail. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Ah, we are running through until 9.15, so you've got about uh, 25 minutes if you want to jump on the phones and ask us a gardening question. The number again, 9419 0155 where we have uh, Loretta and Virginia in the studio or if you'd like to speak to Doug on the outside line his phone line's free at the moment 94198377 Virginia we can go to a couple more plants well one of my favourites is the Ixia I've bought in I've put one of the ones that's finished on Facebook because it is the most spectacular and then I have this one, which is the duck egg blue Ixia. And the one I've put on Facebook is the one of the parents of this. And so it's much, much bluer with a very, very, very navy blue centre. Okay. Which makes it quite spectacular. Mm, I, I got it from Greg Boulderston and he assures me that if it gets really wet one, one summer, I'll lose it. Right. Oh, right. So I have to so try and remember like where it feet. No, they don't want the, Whereas this one, the duck egg blue one, is it's absolutely beautiful. And people come into my garden and just go, oh, wow. And it, it clumps up. Mm. I, I mean, was going to ask you. It clumps yep. up beautifully. <laughs> I've now got a clump that's as big as, what's that? A mm. huge platter. Yeah. Okay. Um, from just a few bulbs. And I've also dug them up and moved them all over the garden. And it's... I just think it's a beautiful plant, and, as a, and being a South African bulb, it's very, very cooperative and goes to sleep in the midst of summer, so it doesn't have to be watered. What I do have to remember is where I've put the parent one, the really, really bright, bright blue one, because it's... Um, I, I mustn't water plants around it. Yes. This is, yes. The, you know, the, the clever gardener plants all the things that need water together and then plants all the things that yeah. want to be dry together. Of course, I'm not that clever. <laughs> <laughs> I try and remember to do these things, mm. but I just I but just the trying. trouble is, you go to, you go to a, a garden opening or a nursery or something mm. and you find a plant that you really must have mm. and um, you've got to find somewhere to plonk it in and so you mightn't have yeah. any more room in your non-watered uh, I'm just showing everybody a photo of the one I put on Facebook. It's very blue. It's yeah. incredibly yeah, blue. Yeah, with that really, with a really navy blue <coughs> eye. Mm. But this one 
is white it's and it's got a, a purple eye one of the things that's so nice about them is this eye and I've got a pink one which is has not yet flowered okay and the really really blue one has finished yeah so it's one of the other lovely things about it you can but, stagger them you can with stagger you. them yeah. and, and I, I think they're wonderful I think I do see oh, I tell you where there is an absolutely brilliant brilliant array of them at um if you go on Puffing Billy mm-hmm. it stops in the sidings at Nobelius and the mm. and the whole bank of the railway line is just covered in ixias, yeah, mainly reds and pinks and yellows. Mm. I didn't see any of the blue ones. Okay, but I have seen the blue one is now places like Garden Express and Tesselars mm. actually sell it now. When I first got it, you just couldn't couldn't find it anywhere, but it has started turning up for sale. I must have missed it. <laughs> I was on Puffing Billy a month ago with oh, our really? granddaughter, so yes. It's just stunning. Well, Nobelius is a lovely, it's a lovely place to go yes. because that's where the Salvia Society has its gardens of salvias. Mm. And it, of course, was a nursery around the turn of a century ago mm. and has got some beautiful, beautiful old trees that have been preserved there. Mm. And Puffing Billy goes right across the top of it. Mm. And mm. at the moment, it's just this mass of ixia in flower. But I do mm. know also on Gruyere Road, which is my back route when when the freeway's too full, I've seen it there beside the road. So mm. I, these South African bulbs, well, um, you know, they can get away. They yeah. can. They yeah. can. So you really have to watch it if you're living near bushland. Yes. Yeah. They haven't. I mean, mine hasn't got away. Um, yeah. I'm... On pa- I've got, it hasn't got into any of my paddocks, mm, which yeah. is where I'm, I tell you what got into my paddock shockingly was um, Datura. Oh, really? The, yeah. the real Datura, not the Brugmansia, the tree mm. angel's trumpet, but the, the, sh- the little one. Little one. And it, it has this beautiful flower that faces up and it's got the most hideous seed pod, which is covered in, it's like, uh, it's covered in spines. Mm. And I walked down to my horse paddock, and there it was everywhere. Oh, really? So I went and I tried to collect all the seed pods, and it took two of us buckets and buckets. Yeah. Mm. And then I've ploughed it, so I'm hoping that it's gone. But, oh, dear, I'm mm. not planting I'm not planting <laughs> that anywhere in my garden again. No. Which is a pity, because it's a beautiful <laughs> flower with a fabulous scent. Mm. But if anything that gets into the paddock, it's mm. not on. Oh, no. It well, goes. the scent... The, uh, I have a funny story about um, last week. Uh, my son's getting married at Christmas Hills in about two weeks, and very excited I am because he's going to. They'll be married underneath a six meter by four meter arbor, and it is covered in pure white Banksia rose oh, and a Japanese white wisteria. Oh. Fantastic. So absolutely, and it's a month late because last year at the same time it was finished. So I'm really excited. You must thinking, have spoken to it very severely. I know. I know. <laughs> so um, they came up. I was at work. They came up with the marriage celebrant during the week. Okay. This is Jess and Rowan, and that's very exciting. And they walk out, and they're really oh look, it's just beautiful, and it's still going to be you know reasonably in flower. And within five minutes, the marriage celebrant. And the bride and groom were streaming with, you know what, hay fever. They're allergic. Oh, no. (laughs) Particularly the wisteria, which is quite a good, strong perfume. And I thought, oh. My white wisteria is finished. 
Yep, well, see, my white one on the front of the house is, but the Japanese one is just in bloom now. So isn't it interesting? It is. We're we're just going to be sort of (laughs) antihistamines, handing them out at the wedding. (laughs) And the difference, the the Japanese curls a different way as it climbs to the Chinese. That's right, that's right. And which goes... I can't remember. Clockwise and which goes clockwise. I can't remember. There's a wisteria in the Botanic Gardens, which is 100 foot high, and it's got a trunk that is as big as a tree trunk. Mm, mm. It's just extraordinary. It goes up a pinus radiata, one of the really big, boring pines. Okay. But the pine has obviously been there over 100 years, Mm. and it's just so big. So when it's in flower, you just look at this fairly ordinary pine tree and suddenly realise it's sprouting right from the very top all the way down. It's just sprouting purple flowers. It's Mm. so fabulous. It's really yeah. quite exciting. Mm. It's just by Mueller Hall, so it's okay. right in the you know the beginnings of the garden. Mm. Oh, I love my botanic gardens. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of that when um, because you were overseas earlier this year, Pam. Yes, and we were, yes. and um, that was we were up in Scotland, and uh, so the daffodils things they were sort of pretty well fading out. It was the end of spring, or last month, and uh, but what I was loving was. Um, talking about that sort of consecutive order of things were the bluebells, yes. which were everywhere up around Edinburgh, and then the um, that beautiful mauve wild rhododendron, just oh, wow. all the way down the purple one, the, yeah, all the way down the weed. side it's of it's everywhere. Such a weed in Scotland, it is such a problem. And here you are going, isn't this just beautiful? Because we can't, you know, we don't have it growing like that everywhere. Mm. So it was, it was absolutely gorgeous. And but it's, it's even worse in Wales. It's a real problem. Mm, that mm. One. Well, the um, Edinburgh Gardens were divine because it was just before everything was going to come into flower. So even though there was that feeling of, oh, I'm not going to see the flowering, but there's something so beautiful about seeing that emergence. And mm. in, in the Edinburgh Gardens, it was just Everything was all the herbaceous borders were bursting, and so for me it was still quite exciting. Yeah, even oh, I wasn't, the Edinburgh you know, Gardens are one of the best divine. in the world. Oh, it's they're superb. truly magnificent. Mm. Absolutely, and I mean that is the wonderful thing about botanic gardens. We, I mean, the one in Cape Town, mm. absolutely fabulous. Mm. The one in Melbourne, absolutely fabulous. Yeah, they're some yeah. of the best in the world, mm. and all of them <coughs> take tours. And it's uh, we have free tours every morning at half past ten. Mm and ours here in South Yarra. And it's so worth getting a guide because it's so interesting. You know, you'd walk through and not think in spring mm. to look up at a 100-foot tree to exactly. see all the wisteria coming down. Yeah. And, of course, this is what the guides know. Yeah, of course. And, and there's, in all of them, there's such an mm. interesting history. Mm. When, you, when you go to the um, one in Kirstenbosch in, in South Africa in Cape Town, they talk about Australian plants as aliens. <laughs> They're not impressed with Australian plants mm. because Australian plants do the same as the South African plants do here. You know, they, there's that tendency to weediness. Mm. Yes. I mean, think that, about the agapanthus. Yeah. I mean, that is a South oh. African plant. Mm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and they hate some of our wattles, particularly. I think it's the cootamundra has been a real problem yeah. for them. Well, that's been a problem here yeah. as well. That's right. Yeah. 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 So they talk about plants as aliens. Mm. <laughs> well, in Singapore, there's the, the gardens by the bay. And have you been to the Gardens by the Bay, which is just... No, in my next flight to Europe, I'm going to Singapore. I want to go to see them because they they sound 
stunning. And, and they've I, won an award for the best new garden in the world. Yes. It is just mind-boggling. And, and, I mean, I went there quite naive, really, thinking about it. And uh, here we turned up this day. And uh, the humidity, it was... Oh, nothing, you know, totally. Um, you walked out and it just hit you. Um, but and we got a little bit of a trolley around. But the um, it's the big, what do you call them? Um, the indoor gardens. Mm. So they have these two big bubbles, huge, uh, big, huge bubbles, and one it's the cloud forest garden. Oh. So it's actually underneath the cloud forest garden. Um, which is going up six stories. Gosh. And it's got a waterfall from almost up the top all the way down. But it's it's built, it's got an elevator in the middle of it, so you can go up it Uh and you can walk down. And then you get right up the top and you just look down. It is beautiful in there because it's cool. Yes, of course. And it's the most exciting thing is on the way out, they um, go through the last 50,000 years of climate and the planet and there's this amazing movie that you you have to you can't leave until you've gone through this wow so for everyone who goes into it and there's a lot of tourist people who are touristy touristy not nuts like us gardeners and you know everyone's got to go through and take into account the planet and that was really was one of the most spectacular parts of it um the other cloud garden um, the other garden is seven continents, five continents. And um, that was just the same thing. Another, It's another bubble, and you go through that, and um, there's all those different plants from all those continents, and it's very exciting for me because I did look across and saw a callistamine. I thought, well, I have to go over to the Australian <laughs> one because I know all of those plants. <laughs> yes. Because you just start to feel so ignorant. That's the best thing about horticulture is... You can never know it all. It's just wonderful mm. because yes. you just keep learning. So oh. we walked through the Australian one and, yeah, I sort of told everyone what it was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was, it was really good. But outside it is, you do have to get in one of those little car things because it really is so hot um well particularly it's the hottest part of the year when we were there in may but um getting around there and seeing what they've done and and the sculptural side of it that Mm. hard landscape side of it they've incorporated so brilliantly so yeah go girls you've got to go i really want to go i haven't been to singapore since the 70s and then you got arrested if you're a bloke with long hair oh yeah it was quite Mm. Tough. Very tough. I haven't yeah. been back there since. Yeah. yeah. But these gardens, I, if one more person tells me how wonderful they are, mm. you know, everyone mm. talks, don't they, Pam? Well, exactly. We have yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't re- I hadn't quite taken into account. We decided that we would go and have one meal and one viewing up on the, we call it the surfboard. So that's where there's the three towers and this big um surfboard on top of the three towers which is this incredible accommodation it's called the marina sands or sands marina and i didn't realize that of course it's looking directly over the gardens oh, wow. oh. so we saw them at night and all those big sculptures are in light oh, so they're all yes. all colorful and beautiful and you look straight out to the bay so whether you eat or not <laughs> is this where you had the white asparagus yes it is <laughs> funny about that <laughs> so yes Oh, it sounds like fun. Really fabulous. So do you allow one day or do you allow another day to go back and, and 
Yeah. Can you cover it in a day? Is that enough time? You you know, if you went very early in the morning, mm. I don't think we got there early enough. But yeah, one day can yeah. I think it's about thirty acres. Yeah. <laughs> and and the other thing is, which I, I forgot, was um that in the centre of it, the, everything they're doing, they're doing organically, and they're um, all the humus, all the food they're actually using from the gardens, and oh, they oh, put it through fabulous. this process. So you also get to have a look at um, what what they're looking at in, in an ecological sense. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's That's advanced. Very so it's obviously quite ecologically sensitive. It, the whole that the basis is on that level. Of, wow. of sensitivity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I suppose they're an island. They're another one that will be worried about being, you know, losing themselves with global warming and yeah. the sea rising. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure, yeah. We've had a message come in to say that uh, that Paul Bangay's garden um, up at uh, Stonefields is going to be opening 17th and 18th of November for uh, the uh, Stephanie Alexander Kitchen uh, Garden Foundation. So 17th and 18th, if you've never been up to have a look at Paul Bangay's garden up there, that's his his own private house, but he does open it quite regularly uh, um, to the public, yeah, particularly as fundraisers for... um, I think he's on the board of management with Stephanie Alexander's Kitchen Foundation, so he opens it up, so it's Mm. an opportunity to go and have a look at... That garden, if you haven't seen it. All right, next we're going to go to uh, Darlene in Druin. Good morning, Darlene. Good morning. Love your show. Thank you. Um, I've got um, the two little leaves come up and then all of a sudden they become, it looks like an ivy and it's all over my garden. I'm just wondering where does it come from and I haven't had it before. Are you sure it's an ivy? Well, it's got the, um, it only comes up with two leaves at first and then the next ones become, looks like an ivy. After that, they look like an ivy. Yes. What would it be then? Is it not a weed? It's a weed, but it's not an ivy, you don't think? Well, it's odd that if it's everywhere... I mean, ivy will be spread by birds. Birds, because the... They form a seed. Yes. Yeah. And whatever it is, you might want to leave one of them go just to see what it is. See what go. I don't let them get too far. But I, the rest yeah. of them, yes, clearly you want to remove them. Yes. Okay. Well, take, you take a piece down to your local nursery and get them to yes. identify it for you. All right, then. Now, also, I've got another weed, and it's uh, got a yellow flower. It looks really pretty. Oxalis. Yes, oxalis. And and the only the terrible part about it, it's it's in my garden and it's where my frogs are. So you I've must got not a, poison. Although no, what, I won't poison. What it. kills the frogs is not the poison; it's the surfactant, the carrier. So what they use with most of the um, with Roundup and all those sort of things is they use a dishwashing liquid. Yeah. type material to make it stick to the plant and that's actually what kills the frogs so you actually yeah. can buy a roundup that is frog friendly okay. but if it I is oxalis i just i don't think you can poison it out myself no i've just got to pull it out no but no you're spreading it more if you pull it oh what do i do that you, i have to... you cut it off at ground level 
cut it off at ground level. Yes, that's weakening the plant and it's stopping it going to seed. Well, you've okay. already got flowers on it, but just yes. cut it off at ground level and be persistent. Because okay. exactly the same when we were talking about bulbs, my South yes. African bulbs or people's yes. daffodils, and I was saying don't be tidy. Yes. Let them just exist till they die naturally, or the asparagus. That's what we were talking about. Mm. Oh, okay. If you cut that off and yes. cut off the leaves as well, yes. you're not giving the bulbs the chance to get fed by the plant, which is what okay. they need. It'll take yes. a couple of years, though. It will take yes. a couple of years. Oh, We're all having to learn to, <laughs> we to live with oxalis. <laughs> oh, yeah. There is a question of just getting on with it because... Yes. I mean, I've got so much... I don't know where it came from, but there's so much... In, I might have even been there and I didn't notice it when yeah. I was first there. Yes. But there's so much in my garden, there's nothing I can do. I just have to look at it. And, and remember that if I was still a Londoner, I'd love it because you can't <laughs> grow it in London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I've got a wild garden and it sort of worries me because I've got frogs. I've got two types of frogs. I've got the bonking one. That's and the, the other. Bonk. What is that? A pobble bonk. Yeah, well, I've got one, two of those. We think there's two. And there's the other little tree frog that, that drives us mad and we've got caddies. But I'm frightened going into these places that I might stand on a frog. That's the problem. Mm. So I have to be well, very Well, the pobble aware. bonk will be... I keep digging them up. So they are actually underground. underground. So you'll be safe on that one. Oh, okay. And yes. I, I didn't know this till recently. Frogs go back to the same pond that they grew up in to oh, have their okay. teddies. It's amazing how deep they can be with the excavator work that I do. Um, my excavator driver has x-ray vision when it comes yeah. to lizards, frogs, whatever. Yeah. I, I find it amazing. He'll sort of he'll pull through and then he'll just stop the machine and jump out. He's just divine, you know, and he <laughs> runs over. I said, what are you stopping for? He said, oh, there's a little frog and here's a frog, you know, the size of, size of a 50-cent piece. Yes. And he's seen it, you know. Yes, but so, oh. and so Because so many of them are really quite deep. They, they yes. really get down mm. in there. Well, that's how yeah. they survive mm. because if the, the ponds dry out, mm. they're yeah. right down in deep. Yeah. And then as soon as it rains and the ponds fill again, well, you'll I, have them back. I, I've got a, a dam in my garden and I emptied that to my bottom dam in the paddock because... Yeah. I wanted to reline it because it was leaking. Yep. And in the bottom, we found three long-necked turtles. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Wow. So we picked them up with great care <laughs> yeah. walked them down to the one in the paddock, and I'm hoping they'll come back. Yeah. That was very exciting. Yeah, very. <laughs> Fantastic. But, yeah, congratulations, you've got the frogs there, which means yes. that you must have a very healthy garden. So, Well, well it is healthy because I, it's not pure, you know, it's... Exactly. It's untidy and Good. people go, oh That's my. great for habitat. Mm. <laughs> and yes, the really absolutely. little birds, when I moved into my place, I had no small birds. Yeah. Just none. And I've got so many now because mm. I've created a habitat for them. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I've definitely got a habitat and I've also got uh, um, my nature strip is full of everything. And it's really quite Excellent. everyone. Just, it's lovely. Yes. Good on Fantastic. you. Well done. Thank you. Okay, then. Bye. 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 We've only got uh, oh, a few minutes, Virginia, but let's try and cover a couple more um, flowers. Well, one of the things I've brought in, these are, and I'm very naughtily, I haven't put this one on Facebook, but I'll take some photos today and put them on this afternoon. These are gladioli. 
Now these are very delicate small flowers. This is the species that mm-hmm. yes. the big ugly Dame Edna Everidge things have been bred from. And there are one or two of the big ugly ones I quite like. But more but the species m- ones are beautiful. They're so delicate. They There's are. nothing delicate about Dame Edna. No. Or her gladdies. No. <laughs> and these are just so... I've got a pink one, which has got beautiful... Well, it's very, very pale pink. But when you look inside the bulb, it's got um, much darker pink stripes. And then the white one, and I find this white one does um, reproduce itself rather a lot in, in situ. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's all yeah. right. And it's, it's just a lovely, soft white. When I... Came back, my best friend in London, her um, sister was the head gardener at Sissinghurst. Okay. And I used to go to Sissinghurst all the time on Mondays when it was closed. Mm. And I came back and I really wanted to do a white garden, not realising that a white garden in Australia just disappears because the, the, the sky is just so much more vibrant. You mm. Know? Mm. A white garden in that soft grey of Britain yeah. is fabulous, but it's not here. But I do love having some white in the garden. Mm. I think it looks fabulous, but not all by itself. And, of course, the other thing I brought in was the white Watsonia. And some of the Watsonias are definitely weedy, but the white one I don't find... It's, I don't see it on the roads like I see... It's the, the red ones. Yeah, yeah. And the pink one. Mm. Yes. Mm. But it's, you know, it stands four or five foot tall and it's mm. just a mass of flowers at the moment and it's you can see it right across right across my garden must be three and a half four acres and you can mm. see it right across the garden and it just looks fantastic i think it's they're a very very crisp white isn't it it isn't is it? Yes, i mean that's is. that's a little bit milky the yes. species yes. gladioli there but that's that's really crisp. The Watsonia is a very crisp. And I've got some another Watsonia, which is called the Bride, I think. Mm. And it's, it's um, a smaller pink flower, um, a more, much uh, the same length of flower, but a smaller mm. flower. Mm. And it's rather good too. So just at the moment, Watsonia is doing for me very well. And, of course, the next thing that will come out is the Romnea, the Californian oh, poppy, yes. Yes, which yes. is the largest poppy, which for me is definitely showing signs of weediness hmm. it goes it'll go underneath a whole driveway goodness it's oh. it's wicked i took six years before it agreed to live there and for years i'd threaten it i'd say you're going you're not doing anything you're going <laughs> and now <laughs> you're cursing and now you? i'm cursing <laughs> but it is again a white poppy and it's the largest poppy and it is absolutely fabulous mm. Can I just say everybody remember to come up to warburton to our open gardens and next weekend, go to Arthur's Creek to their open gardens on Sunday as well. I'll be at the very top garden in Warburton, at, um, in East Warburton, if you're thinking of coming up. So just give the directions again, Virginia. Please. Right. Go to Lilydale. Leave Lilydale on the Maroonda Highway. Turn right onto the Warburton Highway. Go along till you get to La- Launching Place, which is the fourth town along. And you'll see a sign on the highway saying Open Garden. Then you get to Yarra Junction. There'll be another sign on the highway saying Open Garden. Drive through Westbourne and Millgrove. Then there's another four in Warburton itself. And the Upper Yarra Valley Garden Club's been doing this for years, so they're very good at signposting them properly. Good. And I'm on the plant sale table. Okay. At what they call the first garden, because (laughs) they think from Warburton, which I call the last garden, because it's East Warburton and, you know, it's halfway to... 
nowhere. Mm, yes. Mm. And Excellent. then, of course, the following week, Arthur's Creek. Next Sunday, Arthur's yeah. Creek. 393B4 on your millways. And go to the Mechanics Institute Hall and they'll, uh, they'll uh, show you where all the other gardens are. are. Mm. And so they, yeah. they did push through, you know, after the um, Black Saturday fires too. So yes. it's an absolute credit yes. to yes. everybody out there. And I think, really I think um, if I'm right, that group was responsible for saving the Mechanics Institute Hall. Mm. I think it was Absolutely. going to be demolished, wasn't it, yep. at one point? Yep. And, um, and they, they said our community needs our hall. And this yeah. is why they, they this is mm. why this all started to mm. uh, provide some uh, fundraising to uh, yeah. continue and Good maintain them. the hall. Mm. So um, it's amazing what small communities can yep. can do if they have a mind and yep. they really um, have a strong belief in keeping their their community strong. Yes, well, it's wonderful. I and think Lord, it's fantastic. it comes from the gardener. Yes, yes, go gardening. <laughs> Okay, uh, we have run out of time for today. We will, of course, be back uh, at 7.30 uh, next Sunday morning. Uh, we'd love you to join us then, but until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.